0: Hello, it's Paul Scott here with my weekly roundup of the small cap news in the UK, um, summarising my reports that I write with Graham Neary on Stockopedia.com. So um, I'll launch straight into the company uh, company report. So on Monday, Gusbourne G.U.S. issued its interim results. I wasn't really um, impressed by these, I have to say. Uh, sorry to sound negative on so many shares at the moment, but um, this is an English wine producer in Kent. There are two listed on the stock market, Gusbourne and Chapel Down. Chapel Down is on uh, Aquis Markets, I think it's called at the moment. It used to be uh, Plus Markets, and it's had about four other names, I think, over the years the junior market below aim anyway well Gus Bourne, I'm just not impressed about the whole business model buying land it's bought another 137 acres for 1.6 million which doesn't sound a lot uh, agricultural land's quite cheap though I believe isn't it and uh, they're now going to start planting vines in May 2024 on this land then it'll have to wait a few years for the vines to grow it's just not an attractive business model I think uh, ...having all that capex up front, having to maintain it... ...and then years later you actually start harvesting some product. So, um, and and Gusbourne is funding itself with quite heavy borrowings... ...although it's cheap borrowings, 2.5% over base rate... ...and that's just been extended. I think if you have to own an English wine producer... ...the one I think is much, much better is Chapel Down, CDGP. I don't ha- hold either of these shares... But uh, Chapeldown is already profitable. It's much bigger than Gusbourne. And it's got a much, much stronger balance sheet. Um, so, And yet the market caps are not that far apart. So I don't really see why anybody would buy Gusbourne. And uh, it also, Gusbourne's 66% owned by Lord Ashcroft. So you're just along for the ride. He controls it. Um, now, um, obviously, if you really like the products of these English wines, then it might be a fun thing to own. I recently, literally just a few weeks ago, tried the products again. They're okay, um, but they're, they're three or four times the price of an a, of a of a Carver Spanish sparkling, which I think and and they don't taste as good as far as I'm concerned. So I can't cannot see why anyone would buy these English sparkling wines in preference to something that's better and at a quarter the price. But it's personal taste, isn't it? So look back in the Stockopedia archive to June um, if you want to see me crunch the numbers of both Gusbourne and Chapel Down. Now, the profit warning of the day, the bombshell on Monday, was Treat, ticker T-E-T. This is a specialist uh, niche maker of ingredients for uh, drinks like uh, citrus uh, drinks and teas and so on, and apparently it's a very um, specialist scientific niche providing the flavourings for those drinks. Um, Lord Lee, I know, is a very enthusiastic long-term holder of this company, so I feel very sorry that people have had a a rough ride with this share. It's um, a really surprising profit warning, because I think we all assumed that Treat was a well-run, well-managed company. Um, Only three months ago, roughly, it reassured on current year trading, despite the fact that it looked a bit of a stretch to hit uh, the big targets for H2 of its financial year. Then out came a bombshell on Monday saying they're going to miss the profit forecasts by uh, quite a... Uh, p- quite a significant amount and that's really clobbered the shares they've now more than halved from last year's high the problem I've got, now Graham looked at TREAT in detail so I've only looked at it fairly briefly and I, I, the trouble is on the revised forecasts, it's still expensive the PE ratio is still over 20 and given that it doesn't look like they've got that much um, uh, control over the forecasting and maybe they don't have the pricing power that we thought they had I think, really, we need to reappraise this one. Is it as good a business as we thought it was? Uh, Around about the £5.50 level, I don't see that as an attractive entry point based on fundamentals at the moment. Although, obviously, it looks cheap compared with £12 that it was last year, but it's increasingly looking like it was significantly overvalued. But I think for longer-term holders, they probably won't... Mind too much, you know. The company should get over this bump in the in the road. So I don't know. I'm I'm I can see Bullamber case on that one. We had a quick look at Port Merion and seeing machines as well on Monday. Uh, nothing much of interest there. Now on Tuesday, some good news for Ted Baker shareholders. T E D an agreed cash takeover bid at one pound ten. A share that was only an 18% premium. I think this is a lucky escape actually for shareholders because I've never been convinced about the turnaround story at uh, Baker. Um, it's a it's 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 a very very good brand historically. Um, you know I think the three biggest shareholders, which include the founder and also Tosca Fund, are rather aggressive. Um, fund, and I can't remember the third one. But anyway, they hold over 50% collectively, the three biggest shareholders. And if the founder's happy to sell at pound ten, then you're getting a good price. I think in the current circumstances, grab the money and be grateful for the bid with Ted Baker. Now I looked at Sophion S-P-E. This stock is a software company that does uh, specialist niche software that manages... Um, innovation within large organizations. And it's a very popular stock with uh, private investors, who I think probably chased it up to an unrealistically high valuation in the past, although, you know, arguably that's true of pretty much all, all small caps. Um, and also my main problem with Sophia is it's one of these companies that's transi- transitioning to a SaaS model. And the trouble with that is, well, it, which is nice in that you're building up a, um, a long-term stream of recurring revenues, but it um, it means that you're not getting so much licensing income in the short term. So it suppresses revenue and profits short term, with the story being that you then get a benefit long term. Um, but the trouble is, every year I, since about uh, um, 2019, the profits have reduced. And that was pre-pandemic as well as during the pandemic. So... I don't know, I question whether Sophion is as good a business as people think it is. But anyway, there was good news on Tuesday. It's won an uh, $11.2 million five-year contract with the US Navy's submarines. Now, I think when companies, software companies and others, win contracts with major US organisations, particularly defence or security or espionage-type or policing-type businesses... Then that that's a great reference contract, isn't it? You can go to other potential customers and say, well, look, you know, the U.S. government trusts us. We've won a big contract with them. Therefore, that proves to you, you know, we've we've got through a lot of very difficult uh, hoops to to win that contract. So that could be nice for Sophion, and the market cap's looking a bit more realistic now. Um, but certainly not a value share. I also looked at Smart Space, another software company, S M R T uh inline tr- uh, trading update for H1 is still loss making but i think it can just about get to break even um without another placing although it looks a bit tight for cash Co- they mentioned cost control so it looks like they're trying to keep um k- you know not have to come back this is a terrible time to be coming back to the market for for placings of course you know because fund managers are under pressure to sell things for redemptions in some cases so I think a lot of fund managers don't actually have the spare dosh to to do fundraisings. So balance sheet analysis is so key at the moment. Personally, I want to be invested in companies that don't need to raise fresh funding. I think Smart Space, it's lost three quarters of its value from last year's peak, which was way too high, I think. But currently now, I think actually the valuation is looking more realistic, more modest. So that one goes on my watch list of something that could be worth a little dabble at some point. When a new bull market starts, that's the type of thing that would probably get uh, re-rated. So um, I'm, I'm monitoring it and looking for an acceleration in growth. The growth rates currently are too pedestrian to trigger a re-rating, I think. We also looked at tribal TRB on Tuesday. It really didn't impress me at all, this one. Interim results. Uh, loads of adjustments doesn't really generate any cash flow, not much anyway. Uh, It's capitalizing a lot of um, payroll costs, weak balance sheet with negative uh, net tangible asset value, but it does have sticky customers with recurring revenues. It provides software to organizations like um, the education sector, basically universities. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if we see another profit warning from Tribal because the outlook statement looked quite wobbly to me. Uh, It's dependent on hitting milestones on a particularly big contract in Singapore and things like that. Well, implementation of complicated software often runs late, doesn't it? So I don't don't think Tribal looks particularly attractive. But the thing is with these software companies, they're often bid for at surprisingly high multiples by uh, a bidder who sees hidden value within uh, the company. So they can be quite good for takeover bids software companies but Tribal doesn't appeal to me I looked at Castings, CGS now that's more my type of thing it's um, uh, um, a metal fabrication uh, type smelting not smelting I can't forge or whatever I don't know it makes turbocharger housings and things in the Midlands really really nice business very good margins Um <clears throat> really good uh, reassuring trading update came out on Tuesday. It's coping fine with supply chain and higher costs. It's got pricing power. It's passing on these higher costs to customers, a key thing we're looking for right now in every trading update. I think it's a cracking value share, this one. It's got an amazing balance sheet, stuffed full of surplus capital and cash. It's been a very, very good, reliable dividend pair. Uh, The dividends go up every year. Uh, It carried on paying dividends throughout um the pandemic and you've got a nice yield on this so i i really really like castings as a nice long-term income safe value and income share although i suppose there is a question mark over the longevity of turbocharger housings for lorries because everything might go electric mightn't it that's probably one of the reasons that the shares are cheap graham looked at harland and wolf did some smashing analysis on that um neither graham or i think that's uh worth looking at and then tremor international thank goodness graham looked at it rather than me because i read the update and i couldn't make head and a tail of it i just don't understand what this business does it's on a very low multiple so i think both graham and i think there are uh amber and red flags with this business um but you know you may disagree which is fine Moving on to Wednesday, we looked at nine companies. Um, What we do on a busy news day now is we uh, do brief sections on the less important news so that we can then focus on uh, two or three companies in more detail but cover eight or nine companies in total. Um, What was the most significant one of the day? I think it was, oh, I covered um, Cineworld. Now, we've been warning on this uh, company, C-I-N-E, for, let me look it up, Yeah, I've just checked the archive and I've written seven negative articles about Cineworld starting in March 2020, uh, flagging up, obviously, uh, not just the pandemic problem, but the main issue was uh, Cineworld had a ridiculously, horrendously over-leveraged balance sheet, which I've set out in, as I say, seven times over the last two and a half years, I've warned readers about this one. I thought it was going to go bust in the next few months, in March 2020. The only thing I got wrong was the timing. Um, the creditors have given it extension after extension. But really, for anyone who wants to learn about balance sheets and why companies go under, Cineworld and Thomas Cook and several others uh, that escaped me are other things to really look at and just see how these things uh, were engulfed in debt, hugely negative balance sheets once you wrote off worthless intangibles, and um you know the power gradually shifts to the debt holders in these type of situations they call the shots because if a, if a company defaults on its uh, debt or its covenants um associated with the, with the with the borrowings then control shifts from equity to debt holders who can just appoint uh, call in administrators if they want to now um Cineworld did say that it was looking at doing a debt for equity swap but it now seems i mean i don't think it's actually gone under yet but there were pre- there were reports on friday afternoon when i was out unfortunately saying that uh it looked likely to file for bankruptcy now actually somebody on the advfn bulletin board made a really good point why why would it be that which is not something you say very often but why would um why would the debt holders not be happy with a debt for equity swap where they end up owning probably ninety nine percent of the company uh, i mean you know, dilution you know forget existing equity it's it's worth nothing and i've been saying that for a while, so this is not being wise wise after the event um, why would the why would the debt holders not be happy to take equity? Well, somebody made the point that it could be due to other liabilities it could be that, that Cineworld as currently structured, has uneconomic um, arrangements, in particular, over properties. If it's on, if it's sitting on a load of leases that were made pre-pandemic on these cinemas that it uh, uh, has 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 leased from property companies, it could be that the rents they're paying may be completely uneconomic now. They could be paying two or three times what the current market rents would be, possibly because <clears throat> certainly rents on retail shops have dropped enormously in the UK since. Um, I know Cineworld World is. I think maybe a U.S. business, but uh, rent, commercial property rents have dropped an awful lot, and that could be the reason why um, administ- a, a bankruptcy process could be. Um more advantageous for the debt holders because they could then start new co, start it up again in a a new co and renegotiate all all, all the leases. So it's not just the bank debt in these situations that uh, pulls companies under, it can also be other contractual liabilities, particularly on, on properties. So I hope none of my readers got caught on Cineworld, but if you did, there's no excuse. You know, you were just gambling on a, on an insolvent company. And if that's what you do, you've got to expect to lose quite often. Now, on Wednesday, we had an interesting discussion about staffing group Gatica, G-A-T-C. Uh, it's in line, but only trading around break-even. There's obviously something wrong with this business because it focuses on the STEM skills, and um, as you know, the, the the market leader there, S3, which also, funnily enough, has the ticker STEM, is doing really well and making nice profits. But Gattaca focuses on the same area and is struggling to reach break even. Uh, as I say, we had a really interesting discussion there, and thank you to our our resident sector expert BMB, who uh, posted a very interesting view of this company. Uh, I'm on the fence on this one. I'm going to monitor it to see if the new CEO can and CFO can get a turnaround going. But uh, it won't be easy, I think, if, if the business is just fundamentally not very good at what it does. you know, And they're internally promoted candidates as well. So maybe it needs a shake-up uh, with some external leadership. I don't know. So Gattaca, mm, not madly keen on that one. Colfax, CFX, fantastic uh, results, but it became uh, <clears throat> the deeper you dig into it, it's very clear they've had a one-off good year, and they're not expecting to make anywhere near the same level of profits uh, in the new financial year. So be a bit careful on that one. I think it was one pound two pence earnings per share, so it looks oh p of about seven. <clears throat> that seems very good, but. Um, <clears throat> Profits are set. Sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. I need some Gaviscon. Um, profits are set to almost half in the current year. That's what the broker is forecasting. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't chase that one any higher personally. Graham looked at House Housego's profit warning on Wednesday. Sissy so Wednesday's report for that. I don't really have a view on that company. Right on Thursday, I um there was um uh, we, I looked at Made dot com. This is the online only or almost all online furniture uh, retailer that was floated at a very high valuation last year. Well, it, what a disaster this has been! The share has collapsed by ninety five percent. Now we know there's been a downturn in the in the furniture sector. There was a boom during lockdown, of course, when people. I couldn't go on holiday or eat out or do all those leisure activities, so a lot of us spent our our time ordering stuff off the internet, and um, revamping our homes. So, um, Made. dot com um, is, is is saying confirms press sec- speculation that it's looking at a possible equity fundraising. Well, that's not a surprise. We've already had the information previously that it's trading disastrously badly, rapidly burning through what was actually a quite decent cash pile last year. So um, I think this is completely uninvestable, and I've been saying that for a few months now, as the news just got worse and worse and worse. Uh, I think if it, it needs to drastically slash its costs... I I can't see Made.com surviving. I'd be very surprised if it does. I think it's probably got enough cash runway to last into 2023. Um, let's see if they can get a refinancing away. But I I wouldn't touch it before that happens. I just think Made.com is a fundamentally bad business. Uh, it's never made a profit. Um, it floated on uh, really uh, the pandemic boom, like so many. E-commerce businesses that floated in 2021, and of course, you know these brokers floated all these things that are opportunistically at an overvaluation, and they—they've killed the golden goose. It's no wonder the IPO market's dead now. Because who would want to look at IPOs? We've always been sceptical about IPOs at the small-cap value reports. Because if the if the people who own the business think they're selling it at a good price, then what are the chances of you being on the right side of the deal, buying the shares off them? So. It's very rare for me to find an IPO that I think is a, is is any good and sensibly priced. So, uh, really, I think we can probably forget about IPOs for now. I don't see that's why I wouldn't invest in any listed brokers at the moment. I think the pipeline's dead, and they're going to have to the brokers are going to have to cut a lot of costs. Another one that I think is a bit of a dud is Intelligent Ultrasound, U N I. Sorry, I U G. Now, I looked at this one. Um, uh, this one uh, uh, on Thursday, uh, the interim results. It's just more of the same, really, uh cash burning. I think they're going to run out of cash. It's down to three and a half million. Well, actually, revenue did um, rise strongly, to be fair, but it seems to be due to a one-off contract from the NHS. So I'm, I'm, I'm I think they've got too much uh, admin costs, and I think the clock's ticking on the cash pile. So I don't see that as an attractive valuation. It's a it's a proper business, don't get me wrong, but it's it's one of these things that looks to have a mountain to climb just to get to break even. And I don't want to be investing in things like that at all right now. That's bull market stuff, not bear market stuff. On a more positive note, I how the hell you pronounce this name? A E O Rima Communications, A E O. Now this is a little gem, I think. I think it's very small, very illiquid, so you probably won't be able to buy any shares even if you want to. Uh, 7 million market cap. Now, I've got to look into... um, It was flagged up by two of the readers, Dieselhead2 and Tiswas. Thanks for that. I don't normally look at stuff below 10 million, but because they both uh, posted some interesting comments about it, I did take a look at it. It's a live events company, so I still don't really know exactly what it does. I'd like to see more examples of what it does Uh, it's sort of experiential marketing or something. It's all a bit vague. I think they could have just put some videos up on their website saying this is what we do. So I'm going to do a bit more digging on this one. But anyway, they put out a good trading update uh, for June 22 year-end and they're saying they've upped guidance to 12.2 million revenues and 830k profit before tax. So a very small business. But the commentary sounds out, out upbeat too. Also, of the 3% shareholder list, I know four of them personally. They're good friends, actually, and they're all really shrewd. So when I see in microcaps uh, a lot of my shrewd buddies in there, I know I should probably do a bit more work on that. So A Aiorima, Communications. Maybe they could have changed their name to something people can pronounce. Um, I think that looks potentially interesting if you if you really fish at the bottom in the tiniest companies. I looked at Angling Direct as well, A-N-G. This is another e-commerce business that's been massively sold off. Now, on a, it put out a prof, profit warning, unfortunately, a uh, variety of reasons, the usual things you'd expect, cost increases. And I think it didn't specifically mention marketing costs, but I know a lot of online businesses are finding that uh, digital marketing has become very expensive. And that was really... A hidden flaw in a lot of these e commerce uh, internet only business models that actually Facebook and uh, Google and so on are just price gouging them now and nicking all their profits. So um, <clears throat> they've got to come up with better ways of, of marketing, I think, not relying on these digital giants. Uh, and that's for the whole sector. Anyway, profit before tax uh, is now only going to be one and a half million for the current year ending January 2023. Um, so on a PE basis, you can't really justify Angling Direct, even though it's dropped very considerably in value. But the interesting thing, and this is why I think the share actually could be cheap, um, I'm toying with the idea of buying some when I've got some funds. Uh, it's the cash pile; it's got net cash of almost three quarters of the whole market cap, which is very unusual. And providing management don't don't blow the cash on doing something daft, well you know they've they've husbanded it pretty carefully so far. Uh, it underpins the downside very nicely. I mean, you could almost look at it and say, well, why spend the money on opening more fishing shops? Because it's a hybrid one. They've got 40-odd uh, fishing uh, supplies, you know, fishing rods and bait, and all all the paraphernalia um, for uh, uh, this... Intro. It's quite an interesting sector, I think, because there are a lot of people, get millions of people in Britain who do fish, and they tend to be very passionate about it. Um <clears throat> so um, I think they're going the, the The announcement said really they're chasing growth now rather than profitability I'm not madly keen on that if I'm honest and it's almost like you th- you're thinking to yourself well why why spend the money on opening more fishing tackle shops and expanding your e-commerce businesses, business in Europe maybe just go and buy a chain of bars from the administrator or something you know And um, or buy some other business from the administrator and use the cash to develop something else with a better return on capital perhaps. Um, so I think that that's, that's worthy of consideration. Oh, another very interesting one that the readers put me on to which I was expecting to dismiss but actually I think it looks quite interesting. I, I'm, I'm Motion double M. I-M-M-O is the ticker anyway and it's a virtual reality entertainment company and it seems to serve a really really niche market of aquariums feature you know it was like sea sea life and all those sorts of things big aquariums where you then uh, have, they have an area with maybe 10 or 20 uh, seats and virtual reality headsets and the seat moves about and so on and a huge screen uh, well you, you see through the virtual reality headset you're underwater sort of swimming with sharks and things like this and it looks very good um and some of those and these these features develop uh, produce very very good recurring revenues for M- M- motion and uh, I think there's a very interesting business here if they can scale it up. Now the only problem is they don't seem to have really made any meaningful inroads into other sectors. They are looking at doing zoos and um, some other sort of uh, attractions. Uh, these type of leisure attractions is what they're going for. And uh, uh, it's got quite a lot of business in America, which is very interesting because... And they claim to be, I think, the biggest virtual reality specialist provider in the world. So... And management, I think, are quite impressive. They've got two other tiny businesses that they started in the pandemic, which they're looking to divest. I wouldn't get excited about those. I I think it's unlikely that those would generate much money but if they could just hive them off to somebody who can fund them this is the problem I'm at motion it doesn't have the balance sheet strength to fund the development of these uh, niche side businesses it 's got, so if they could hive those off to a financial backer and keep a free carry maybe in those businesses, that could be a little bit of a cherry on top, but it 's not the main reason to invest i 'm not ready to buy into iMotion yet, but it 's certainly going on my my watch list to monitor. I think if it can start putting out stronger growth, then that the the, the fundamental business model is is very interesting with good operation operational gearing. But I think it's too soon to buy into that one. Graham looked at Zytronic, ZYT and InSpecs, S-P-E-C on Thursday. So see Thursday's report for those. Oh, sorry, I thought I pressed stop. Hang on. Right, Friday, unfortunately we had another bombshell from Jules J-O-U-L. It announced on Monday that it's found a new CEO. Um, I don't want to prejudge what how he he will perform, but they said he was the standout candidate. So fingers crossed, he can turn the ship around. They've got to strip out cost, sort out their logistics, and uh, you know get the product and pricing right. A lot of things seem to have gone wrong at Jules, unfortunately. I've lost a lot of money on this one, so I'm feeling pretty bruised over it. And obviously, apologies to anyone who followed me in. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really uh, anticipate that trading was going to get so much so much worse. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's really been a catalogue of problems. I think this is now the fourth profit warning from them. Now, I think I'm ready to ditch this one. I wanted a little bit of time to think it through. But um, the profit warning on Friday that we've just had, I crunched some numbers. And I've worked out that I think H1 could be a loss of about £7 million. Now... Once this type of business gets into making quite significant losses, when it's also got problems with its banking facilities, I think it's probably getting into the too high risk category. They are still in discussions with Next about Next making a strategic investment, which Sky News say uh, has mooted to be around £15 million for 25% of the company. Well, I think if they can get that deal done, that would be a game changer and very positive. But um, the bank is supporting it at the moment till November. When, um, but Friday's update said, you know, the company will need banking covenant waivers and so on. So I think, in some way, the company is definitely going to have to raise fresh equity. Um, so I'm sorry this one's gone so badly wrong. I just, I didn't, I didn't realise it the wheels were really falling off to the extent they were. So I think I'm probably ready to ditch this, and then I'll just watch from the sidelines and maybe go back in once there's some proper tangible evidence of a turnaround. I really jumped the gun on this. I shouldn't have... Uh, hung on to it when things were were repeatedly going wrong. I should have just ditched it and sat on the sidelines. Kudos to, to Richard Crow, Cockney Rebel on this, because he told me that's what we should be doing. <laughs> About a year or eighteen months ago, he says, "You know, wait for the actual, wait for the turnaround to happen, Paul." And I wish I'd listened to Richard. He's so good on these these turnaround things. The trouble with me is, I think I get an idea in my head that something's good, and then I'm too inflexible. Um, and I just doggedly stick with it, whereas I should probably uh, just just cut the cord earlier with some of these things that uh, don't work out. So, uh, you know, again, markets teach me lessons every day, So, <laughs> which, I don't know, you, you, you tend to get complacent in the good times. This is the problem, isn't it? I certainly do. Uh, I know all the things I should be doing, but um, when I've made a lot of money, I just get cocky and complacent, unfortunately. It's the story of my investing life. But there we go. Now, Volex, VLX, uh, very good update, I thought, on Friday. I was a little bit worried about this one that the I hold personally. Sorry, yes, uh, Jules and Volox, I both hold those shares personally. Everything else I've mentioned, I don't hold. Now, Volox, um, yeah, really good update on Friday. I think the shares have risen nearly 50% from recent lows. Uh, it was an irrational low, I think, back in June. Uh, particularly reaction on results day when it put out good results with a good outlook and the shares initially dropped. That was a great buying opportunity. I think they bottomed out about £2.10. They're about £3.10 now. I think it's still looking good value. Ford P is about 13 Um Lots of positive stuff in the in the trading update. And this is another one. It makes electrical cords and fittings. Um, it's the lowest cost producer of these things and it's a reliable supplier. You know, So when it gets on to... A big uh, long-term contract, the business stays there, and they've got flexible contract terms as well, and are managing to pass on cost increases. So pricing power tick. That's and um, they're 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 coping with inflation fine. Supply chain, they're coping. It just seems a well-managed business. I think Nat Nat Rothschild seems to have done a fun, fantastic job there, and they've got tailwinds in the main product sectors, for example, electric vehicles. And uh, a, a medical equipment orders are cranking up, and really it it's a, it made positive noises about all four divisions. So I like Volex, I think that's um, we can breathe a sigh of relief on that. I think uh, the share price should hold up. Oh, I also commented on Hostel World HSW. Now, uh, I, I reviewed the interims and was not at all impressed, mainly because I think the valuation's too high and the debt structure, it's got very expensive debt which is costing. 9% over base rate, I think, with some American investment fund that seems to do specialise in, in doing um, leverage. And um, also there's a big uh, payroll tax arrears to the Irish government, which technically isn't due for another 12 months or just over 12 months, but it will have to be repaid. But anyway, um, one of the readers put up a really... Uh, so I posted something fairly negative and bearish about Hostel world i mean i think the business is, is okay but it's just t- the shares are too expensive and i don't like the balance sheet structure with all this expensive debt uh but anyway a reader sorry his name escapes me put up a very interesting contrary more bullish case on hostile world so thank you for that because we like to keep an open mind on everything and consider the bull and the bear points we're not interested in taking sort of uh Fixed views on companies. I think all our opinions on companies should be constantly evolving as the facts and the macro picture change. So we love hearing uh, uh, bull or bearish opinions on on all the shares we cover from the reader comments. So thank you for that. So, but anyway, it piqued my interest. So I watched the webinar which was held uh, on Thursday this week on investor meet company, and I thought it was very interesting. Actually, it's quite. It, it obviously presented the positives but management I thought came over well and they clearly think there's a strong recovery underway so uh, I still wouldn't buy the shares at hostel world but um, it was good to learn more about the company I think it's a better company than I thought oh the other one of course is revolution beauty REVB which has been an incredible roller coaster ride uh, over the last week now it dropped it plunged on the latest uh, this is the one where they've had to delay the accounts because of a number of problems that the auditor has identified stock provisions bad debt provisions and revenue recognition well those are serious problems uh, potentially we have no idea the scale of these um, uh, profit write downs that are going to have to be made could be big could be small we just don't know so it's impossible to value revolution beauty at the moment Uh, and it bombed out and dropped on huge volume to about 8p a share now, anyone who bought in at that level, well done you. Because as I said in the report at the time, I can't value this. It's impossible to value. We don't have enough information. Therefore, it's really just for traders and gamblers now. It's not for investors, in my opinion. Although I don't think it's going to go bust, as I said at the time, uh, because it's got so much in the way of inventories, that 100 million, I reckon, that they could clear a lot of that. They could clear, um, liquidate a lot of that, even at half price. And you you could that would be enough to repay the 20 million net debt so i think probably not going bust but we don't know now the interesting thing is boohoo group uh, in which i do have a long position they uh, emerged as a buyer of the shares shrewd buyers they bought near the lows uh that what that helped um i think they they ended up several rns's from boohoo uh, increasing their stake initially a 7.1 stake in revolution beauty but i think they upped it a couple of times to about 12 percent and put out an announcement saying it's a strategic investment now there's actually a very good fit between revolution beauty's customers and the core boohoo brand and pretty little thing brand customers it's a young it's targeting young um, relatively uh, modestly financed youngsters, young females, looking for fashionable product. And my niece, who's my go-to advisor on makeup companies, tells me that Revolution Beauty's products are, are actually quite good, some of them, some of them are not so good, but she said uh, you know, it appeals to younger customers who um, who, who want reasonably good quality but cheap products, so, which is a great fit with Boohoo, so I can see why Boohoo's taken a stake here. Uh, so that one quite, could be quite interesting. It rocketed to I think nearly thirty p, so uh, almost a four bagger, which didn't look didn't look particularly logical to me. But anyway, it's then uh, practically halved. I think it finished the week at seventeen p. Now Friday's announcement was interesting because they said, "Oh, actually, we don't think we're going to be able to get our February twenty two results out by the end of August, which is the six month cut off." for the shares being suspended. So they just put, and they previously said, we'll get the results out by 31st of August. So obviously the shares would have to be suspended under the listing rules if um, if 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 the results are not out by 31st of August. So the company's saying, actually, we're not going to get them done by 31st of so the shares might be suspended, caused the shares to crash, which to me didn't make a lot of sense, because wouldn't it be obvious that if they missed the deadline... The the shares would have to be temporarily suspended. It doesn't mean the shares are going to zero necessarily. They might do, but I think that's the chances that I would say are quite low. So um, it's now down to 17p. Would I have a, a dabble at that level? No, I wouldn't because I'm not a trader and I, d- I don't know what the company's worth. It's impossible to value. But obviously the, the fact that Boohoo thinks it's interesting has taken a strategic stake Um does uh does improve risk reward i think on on possibly having a trade on that which brings me on to a point that uh myself and the readers have been discussing this week in stockopedia that we should look for identify more shares where institutions seem to be dumping at any price now with uh, revolution beauty the the dumping the institutional dumping seem seem to come from jupiter um and uh but there are lots of other fund managers who got sucked into these overpriced crappy IPOs who are now in, in some cases i think just clearing them off their books at pretty much any price so there's i think there's a really good trade opportunity here for traders to monitor the RNS look at the holding in company uh, updates follow the volume of trades and so on it's a sp- sort of specialist sk- skill that i generally haven't really focused on but i, I know the, I sometimes I've, I've done quite well doing that type of trading but it's not my core activity so i think if you, you know i think it's a good idea to look at some of these things which are uh, the biggest fallers and if they've got cash on the balance sheet which unfortunately revolution beauty hasn't but if you've got reasonably sound balance sheets and they're not going bust then um as i say i've been buying seraphine uh, B U M P. I've mentioned that before in several of these podcasts. It's just relentlessly going down. Now, management have spent three hundred grand, two percent of the company, uh, with personal market purchases, and the share price is still falling. Uh, I don't think that's going under. It does have um, a modest amount of net debt. I think it's very very cheap now. Not the best business in the world, but it is niche and it's high margin. So I like Seraphine. That's an example of where. But it, you know, it's just relentlessly dropping. But um, another one I've looked at is called XP Factory. Uh, This is the thing that used to be Escape Hunt, which I was never keen on, but they bought boom battle bars, and they're now rolling out these quite large sites, getting huge contributions from the landlords, and it has got cash in the bank. So I think that is building uh, very rapidly um, lots of new sites, which is experiential... um, competitive gaming they call it so it's like a cocktail bar with street food and pizzas and things like that but the key point of difference is that they have these oversized large retro um, gaming machines like arcade games but also interactive things I think I've mentioned this before axe throwing uh, looks quite good fun has a protective net around it to avoid sort of uh, decapitating anyone Uh, and there's one opening in Bournemouth it's fitting out at the moment and a sign has just gone up on it saying now hiring so I'm looking forward to visiting that and mystery shopping it fantastic prime location um, just uh, next to the Odeon Cinema which gets a lot of footfall and they are getting these great fantastic sites on really really good deals with big contrib- cash contributions from landlords towards the fit out costs uh, because landlords want these type of businesses, they don't just want another bar, they want an experiential gaming uh, bar operator and uh, Boom Battle Bars which was bought by XP Factory seems to be one of the leaders in this field um, the market cap's dropping quite substantially there is work on the basis of 200 million shares uh, for XP Factory because there is dilution from share options and deferred consideration um, so I, it's, I think it's 150 million shares an issue but that could go up to 200 million so at I think it's dropped as low as 13.5p so it's about 26 million market cap now. Um, I had a chat with management, actually. I think they're very good. But it just keeps relentlessly dropping. So it looks like institutional holders are just getting out of that. Could get very, very cheap. Because I think they're going to build a business that could have 50, 60 million revenues and make good profits uh, next year from nothing, because they're acquiring these sites that I think will be sort of one to two million revenues a year type sites on pretty good margins. So XP Factory looks very, very interesting, I think, but it is a bit speculative. Now, there really isn't much time for any macro commentary, but just looking at the things I've jotted down during the week, a big concern uh, emerging for me now is high energy costs for businesses. Now, we've obviously focused on that for consumers, and I remain of the view the government will have to give huge subsidies to households uh, to stop the headline rate of inflation going up to 13%. Uh, I think they need to give two or three grand to to each household in direct subsidies. I think Keir Starmer's idea to just put a hard cap on household bills and not not have this target of every three months off gem say it's oh it's going to be another thousand oh it's going to be another two. We've got to. St- Dot that. You just it needs an absolute cap on it. I think that's what they've done in France, and that will stop inflation going exponential and becoming self-funding. And it can be funded. Fiscal drag has has created about 30 billion in extra um, tax revenues. You know there've been enormous increases in taxes already gone through from the National Insurance rise, from the uh, from the uh, increase in um, uh, the resumption of business rates corporation tax going up from 19 to 25 percent which is insanity that's such a big policy error in my view because the whole point of brexit is that we wanted to keep the uk competitive so it attracts business from abroad so that was a terrible mistake by rishi sunak i think sorry sorry i'll stop the politics so high energy prices over winter i'm hearing horrible things from uh, people running small businesses saying that they're they're their energy costs are going to be so high over the winter because of course they're not capped remember for business users are they I don't think they are anyway so if they're not on a fixed price deal these a lot of these businesses in the winter are not going to be able to afford to open the doors so I think it's going to be carnage actually um, with, so so, I'm, I'm really looking at my portfolio again I don't want to be in any shares which are heavy users of energy so I'm steering clear of Port Merion for example which I think is a lovely company but Um, they might have hedged their their fuel costs I don't know, I can't remember but that's the thing to look for isn't it I know Hostmore has hedged their energy uh, M-O-R-E, I've got a tiny position in that Um, so that could be a big competitive advantage as competitors close their doors over the winter Um, oh, other macro information this week was that consumer confidence has reached a record low no big surprise there uh, wages are now well below inflation as well on the latest data. So um, that's good and bad. Obviously, it means that uh, households, the the, income, the squeeze on disposable incomes, we all know about. It's all in the media, so I won't dwell on that. But if wages are not going up anywhere near as, near as inflation, that means we're not getting into an, an inflationary spiral, are we? Providing they, you know, you have to worry when people are getting inflation busting pay rises because that means your inflation then becomes more self-fueling so I think if the government can get on top of this whole energy cost thing which will require emergency and substantial spending I think they need to treat this as a national emergency not as just business as usual and they don't seem to be quite there yet uh, these the, but I, these politicians So, um, but I think I, that, that's the way it's going to have to go otherwise we're going into a long and deep recession very obviously but it can be prevented I think uh, and then the, oh, the other point I just want to make generally is that profit warnings are coming thick and fast but they're coming from good and bad companies this is what I'm worried about there doesn't seem to be that much visibility and uh, so I'm definitely feeling more, more bearish now I've got to say uh, you know and I think this huge rally in the US markets doesn't seem logical at all to me um, I think uh, I've actually put a a small hedge on well not that small actually i put i have put a, a short position on the s&p 500 because i think it's i think it's rallied uh too far and i want to sort of indirectly hedge um, my uk positions even i know there's not a direct correlation but um you know yeah so i'm definitely feeling uh you know the the, the positivity is ebbing ebbing away from me at the moment i think the macro news is not good obviously and that's been reflected in uh, in in tough um markets certainly for uk small caps anyway and uh, as i say the rally in the us i think is 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 pretty bonkers so i think that might um that might take a tumble, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Alright, I've got to leave it there before the file size gets too big to upload. <laughs> have a great week and thank you for listening. I love your feedback because I have no idea how many people are listening to these things. That's the thing. So I only know if you post a comment saying you, you know, enjoyed it or if you didn't, or, you know, if suggestions for ways I can improve them. I'm not going to edit them and get the bloopers out because it's the whole point of doing these is just do it in one take. So it's quick and easy to do every week. Uh, but I love reading your comments. And if you've got additional uh, information or views on stocks that I mention, please do post the comments. I love seeing the debate either here or at Stockopedia. Either is great. Brilliant. Well, thanks again for your support in these difficult times. It's very much appreciated. And there are buying opportunities out there, I think. We shouldn't uh, allow the gloom to completely overwhelm us. But uh, certainly difficult, troubling times for sure. So uh, we'll see. uh, We'll get through it. And we will have another bull market. It's only a matter of time. OK, that's it from me. Take care. Bye.